Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Allie Miller and Paul Castro, Jr. Paul was awarded the Robert Pastorelli Rising Star Award at the 2014 Garden State Film Festival. At the 2015 Sundance Film Festival, he appeared in James Strauss's comedy, People, Places, Things, with Jemaine Clement on Netflix. His performance as Eric in The Skeleton Twins with Bill Hader and Ty Burrell was featured at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival. Paul also appeared as Kane in the off-Broadway revival of Love and Human Remains at Playwrights Horizons. Other works include CBS's Blue Bloods, Limitless, NBC's The Blacklist, The Garden Left Behind, Black Dog, Red Dog, directed and produced by James Franco, as well as the lead in the indie features Skook, Best Narrative Feature at the New Orleans Film Festival, and Buffalo Boys, which won Best Coming of Age Film at the Manhattan Film Festival. A graduate of NYU, Tisch School of the Arts, an avid gamer, runner, and crazy cat man. (laughs) We also have Allie Miller. Allie is an actress, writer, and founder of Lynx Point Pictures. She has acted in films such as I'm Sticking With You, which premiered at the Rhode Island International Film Festival, Harvard on Hudson, which premiered at the American Society of Cinematographers, where it was recognized as a finalist for its ASC Heritage Award, and is currently filming as Shannon in By the Dashboard Light. This story is incredibly important to her. Because of Eris, she opened her eyes and heart to all the animals of the world, especially those less fortunate, and treated inhumanely by those who are here to protect them and to be their companions. She's a proud vegan, animal activist, a mermaid in disguise, aspiring astrologist, and 100% cool, and a little crazy cat lady. We have a crazy cat man and a little bit crazy cat lady on the show today. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Paul and Allie. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you so much for having us. You have a stacked resume there. You have done a, a lot of projects and you've been out there in film. And yet you met this little kitten named Aris. Can you tell yeah. us the story? It's a short story, but a long story. You know, we, we had her for only 12 days, but... Those 12 days felt like a lifetime. In that time period, we so quickly we found ourselves as parents who were helplessly trying to save this animal's life. So I was I was acting in the play that you mentioned, uh, Love and Human Remains, which was off Broadway at Playwrights Horizons. Myself and Allie, I'd been uh, she's allergic to cats, actually. You know, ironically, we'd been talking about getting an animal for a long time, and it, this is a, the the real story is a little different than what we uh, we do in the film. The film that we've made is uh, it's very close to the actual story, but you know, we had to change some things, obviously, for for the filmmaking process and for the storytelling aspect of it. But it's very much close to the truth. So I was in this play, and I just kind of naively and I don't I can't even really explain it something just happened where I decided I, I wanted to to get something for Allie and maybe it was a, a, a first pet I didn't really know if it was going to be a cat or not and I found myself at this pet store and um, I walked in I, I wasn't even sure what I was going to get if I was going to get it or not 
the owner of this pet store was showing me various different pets and I saw this kitten in the back of the of the store and she just looked helpless. She was frail. She was dirty. She was uh, tiny. You know, her belly was huge and something about it. She was just calling to me. I, I, I can't really explain it. I saw her. We had this mutual calling. The owner, you know, was telling me, you know, big bellies are common in kittens. She's got worms. We've just dewormed her. And there was a part of me that said, you know, why are you going to get this cat? There might be something wrong. But the way she looked at me, it was as if she was saying, please save me, take me out of this store. So that's kind of how that happened. I wound up just getting this cat on impulse, brought her home and Allie was shocked out of her mind. Why is there a cat here? <laughs> Where did you get this cat from? And so that's kind of the inception of how that whole happened. And then we had her for 12 days. You know, we found out she had FIP after the second day of having her after we brought her to the vet. And from there, we just kind of went on this journey of what is FIP? What can we do? Is she, she's going to die? How can we save her? It was just a, a whirlwind of emotions finding out about this disease, FIP, and, and what are we going to do do about it? And Allie, do you have anything more to share to the story? When he first brought Eris home, it was very much a shock and a surprise again, because I am allergic to cats and getting your first pet is kind of a daunting experience. Definitely within the first like 24 hours, we definitely kind of noticed that something was maybe not totally right with her. Her belly certainly was big, but you know, when you get on the internet and you start researching things, you see thing you see, you see things that could be minor issues, but you also see the worst case scenario, which is FIP. It is the worst case scenario, I think. And, you know, I was reading all about it. I think the night before her first vet visit, all about the yellow fluid that comes out of their belly or their lungs and all the various symptoms that go along with it. But I still was not ex- expecting that to be what she had. So when we did go to the first vet visit, it was very devastating and traumatic to hear that she was diagnosed with FIP. We still didn't accept that as the truth. So our film really touches on every kind of high and low that we experienced during the diagnosis, getting second opinions and the symptoms and the kinds of people that we spoke to in the process to learn more about it, see what we can do, homeopathic remedies. We really, we really go over every little thing that happens. I mean, and it can, it can anyone who's experienced a pet who is sick can relate to it because it's the same way. Yeah, I've been through the experience with FIP over the many years of running a cat shelter. It is devastating. And I find in some cases with the veterinary community, it's sort of the place you go of last resort if you can't figure out what's wrong with the cat, because there's also this sort of dry form versus a wet form of FIP. And it sounded like Aris had the wet form with the distended belly and the fluid and and that kind of thing. But it's still very much of an unknown arena to us in the sheltering world because we do have quite a few cats in our facilities and it tends to be more prevalent in areas where there are lots of cats together. And, you know, it's a type of the coronavirus, but cleanliness seems to be the only sort of objective out there that, that we've discovered in the sheltering world of anything to do to help prevent 
this scenario for happening with cats. Was there anything in your discovery process from learning about the disease that would be helpful for those of us in the sheltering or foster care community? I think that, you know, through our research and, I, and and actually our personal experience, I think you're absolutely right that the cleanliness is a tremendous factor. The the pet store that I had went into was dirty. There was animals living on top of each other, like you said, large amounts of them. And I think a big an, another big note is that and something we really advocate for, not just in the film, but as part of our lives, is that backyard breeders are, I think, a big contributor to this virus, um, especially in in um, breeds such as Bengals, which is what Eris was, where these animals may be overbred because of their exotic breed. And, and I think that's a, a it was a red flag for us was that, you know, she's a Bengal. She's in this um, uncleanly pet store. And so I think that was a big indication for why she might have had it. I don't know if, Ali, you have anything you want to share there? Yeah. To piggyback off of the cleanliness factor and the pet store, actually recently, so it's been about two years, we kind of looked back into the pet store, just curious as to you know what was going on with them. And we read many, many reviews, for lack of a better term, about them for people who have experienced FIP from this exact same place with different breeds of cats, different age age ranges. So it was very emotional for us to see these people um, upset and angry over losing their cat to FIP because of the same place that we went to. So I don't think that's a coincidence that all these same people experienced FIP. And I think that you can kind of look at the, the arrangement and how that they're all the place they're all living in. And maybe that can give us a, cl- a clue, as you were saying, about how FIP can start in the first place. Looking for a great tool to help educate your neighbors about community cats? Check out this sign available from the folks at Lumen LS, a life-saving organization from Broward County, Florida, that believes no cat should be left behind. This sturdy, bright orange sign featuring an ear-tipped cat would be great for cat colony caretakers, shelters and rescues, spay-neuter clinics, or municipalities and animal control organizations. Education about the correct ways to manage community cats is exploding in the U.S., especially in the last five years. This sign will help you let your community know that ear-tipped cats have been fixed and vaccinated and pose no threat to them. The community cat sign comes complete with all of the hardware you need to post it, Buying and posting the sign will help move animal welfare forward and improve outcomes for cats in your area. You can view and purchase the signs directly from our Facebook page at Lumen LS. They also have a colorful informational brochure about community cats plus lots of other resources. Support the Community Cats podcast and LumenLS.org by going to LumenLS on Facebook today. So you've embarked on this Kickstarter campaign, this project to do a film about the 12 days that you spent with Eris and some of the lessons learned. Can you tell me why you decided to do this project and really what was the motivating force behind it and what can this bring to us as a community? You know, what is it that you want the audience to find out? The story is the the closest thing to our hearts. Uh, what happened with Eris was so devastating and so traumatic for us. And that was two years ago. So as artists, as writers, you know, we believe in telling stories, writing stories that are honest and truthful and unique to to you. So that's always been something that we've tried to follow through with. And 
telling Eris's story is the most honest and most truthful thing we could possibly do as artists and to just express our love to her and tell her story. Exactly what she's saying is that we, I think our responsibility as filmmakers or storytellers is to tell the most vulnerable truth. And that was that when we experienced the loss of this animal, there's many things we wanted to touch upon. First was how inexperienced in the world of, of animals we were from an owner's point of view. You know, we had found, and this was something I wanted to say earlier, I wound up going into this pet store and buying an animal. And I didn't really understand the difference between, you know, rescues and adoption and, you know, buying from a breeder until this experience happened. And it really opened our eyes to the horrors that go into pet shops, puppy mills, backyard breeding. So that was in a very important part of this film for us, but also the real human experience that someone goes through when they lose an animal. We go through the every emotion you can imagine from fear to anger to the guilt. Um, you know, we felt like it was our fault. We were furious at this pet store owner for selling this animal, for allowing uh, animals to live in this condition. As much as that, and, and including advocating for the awareness of this disease. You know, you ask the average pet owner or someone who has, you know, cats, many won't be able to tell you what FIP is. And we wanted to bring a light to this disease because I think it's be as uncommon as it is, it's becoming more relevant. You can tell from the Facebook communities like FIP fighters that were a part of that were a huge support to us during our time with Eris. We really just wanted to share this story for anyone who's experienced FIP, who's lost an animal and to just shed a light on the whole aspect of, of being a an animal owner. You bring up a very good point there about awareness and understanding of the big picture for cats. For me, being in the animal welfare world for 20 plus years, I find I get myself stuck in my own little bubble and I don't really understand and realize a perspective of someone like you going into a you know pet shop and not understanding those big pictures and, and the challenges of how to communicate all of this information so that everybody understands this and everybody knows if there's a stray cat on the street or if you see you know an injured cat on the street, how can we make it easy and simple for people, for anybody to get the assistance that they need for that cat? You obviously, you went into that store, you saw Eris as a cat in need and and you said, I don't know how I'm going to help this cat, but I am. And so you believed in your own resourcefulness and that your ability to be able to do that. And that's the strength and the power that I think that we want to send to others so that everybody out there can feel like they're empowered and resourceful and able to help any animal or any cat in need that they find in their community. Yeah. And, and to piggyback off of that too, it's like from our own personal experience, knowing people who have bought animals before who were there, you know, like, ah, I don't want to rescue an animal. We understand, like you were saying, it's hard to communicate, you know, how do you educate these people about what really goes on with purchasing an animal and how oftentimes buying from a store like that, that the animal can be in, in a worse health condition than would uh, a rescue would where they're being taken care of and their health is being uh, very particularly um, looked at. So, you know, we don't want to shame people into thinking, you know, don't do this and only do this because then there's a resistance from, you know, that person like, well, why am I going to listen to you? You're so obnoxious and, and pretentious about why I shouldn't or should do what I want. I don't, you know, they don't really understand 
understand the benefits and the differences. So we really just want to open up a dialogue through this film and show them, even from our human standpoint, we didn't understand and we've learned. And hopefully, you know, we're not throwing a message down someone's throat, but we're obviously through the experience saying, hey, this is kind of an experience that might happen to someone. And this is why we should advocate for rescue and adoption. So uh, that that's something we're really proud of. Well, and it's even more than that because, I mean, Eris didn't choose to be in that pet shop, didn't choose to be, you know, bred by some breeder. And so it's going to the source and really addressing the issues of the source because Eris needed rescuing. Eris needed you. And I'm not going to stop anyone from going to a pet shop and helping an animal in need. I mean, that's what you have to do. But yet addressing that source issue, you know, how did Eris get there? What was the path that Eris took before those last 12 days that you had with her? And I think that that's the real interesting question is how can we prevent another heiress from happening, you know, in, in that situation? And it's a harder question, but I think it's an important question that we have to um, address and a problem we have to address to ensure that all of our animals that are in our care, whether by guardians or by owners or in whatever way, they're getting the best possible care at that particular time every day of their life. So Kickstarter is a really interesting platform. It's a way for you to raise money to help fund this project. So specifically, this story, how long is this movie going to be? And what are the ways that people can support it? The film, once it's finished, it'll be about 20 minutes. It'll be a standard short film. We have a lot of aspirations for how the outcome of this film will be. I mean, obviously, a top 10 film festival, first and foremost, would be a great start in terms of people being able to see it, whether that's at you know, a place like Sundance or South by Southwest or Tribeca. So doing the festival circuit is kind of our first priority. And then from there, we hope to have some sort of um, online distribution, whether that's through iTunes or we hope, and maybe there's a conversation that can be had with Netflix or someone like Netflix at that point in time where there's a shorts type of screening service, you know, it's really, we we don't really know the life of where this will live yet, but absolutely at some point it will be available worldwide. And if it's at, if that's through our own online streaming service, that'll be that. So, but we hope to do the festivals and maybe even talk to some distributors, maybe through some sort of PBS outlet or HBO or, or who knows, but you know, hopefully that'll be by mid 2017. We're hoping to have some sort of either festival premiere or, um, distribution, via VOD, video on demand. If I wanted to help make this project happen, you have a Kickstarter page that's open until the 25th of December, and you have different types of giving levels. I'm looking here at pledging $50, and you get all cat access to a variety of different products that you're planning on putting together. And then it goes all the way up, I think, to like $3,500. You can be, you know, an executive producer. And so you have a whole range of different levels. Is there a uh, Kickstarter address? How could people find your Kickstarter page? So we have a link that you can find by going to our, I guess the easiest way would be to go to kickstarter.com and to search Eris, or you can search my name, Paul Castro Jr. Jr. But the immediate way would be going to linkspointpictures.com and all of the information is laid out there on our homepage of how you can watch our Kickstarter video, which talks about kind of our filmmaking process, who's involved. We've got a wonderful nonprofit organization, Heaven on Earth Society for Animals, located in Hollywood. 
California, where 7% of all the money we raise on Kickstarter is going to go to their nonprofit Animal Sanctuary to Saving Cats. And then all proceeds made by this film after the fact of distribution or whatever that may be are going to also be donated to Heaven on Earth. So you can find out about us, you know, check out on Kickstarter or even social media, Eris underscore the movie on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and again, going to our website to find out all that information. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? We've got some really great rewards, like you said, about our Kickstarter. Uh, So definitely if you can share, contribute um, yourselves or just post a a status on Facebook about this filmmaking process, that would be that would mean the world to us. We just want to make sure everyone in the world can see this film. We've got our own individual cool projects coming up. You know, next week I'll be on Blue Bloods on CBS. So you can check that out. But first and foremost, we just really hope people believe in us and believe in our story, our vision. Just help get the word out uh, from you, Allie. As we've said, this project means so much to us. So, and we've already been so surprised and so thankful to our family and friends who have helped us by backing our project so far or just sharing it. So, the more obviously the better. And even from the FIP community, uh, there's a there's a, a private group on Facebook where everybody who's experienced FIP can go to. And they have been so generous and has supported us so much throughout this project. And we honestly, we thank them so much. And we, you know, we wouldn't be in this situation right now without their support. And all donations are up to 100% tax deductible. So if you make a contribution as if you were making it to a nonprofit, you will get a tax write-off. So that's a great incentive. And uh, we've got support for some great organizations. Aside from Heaven on Earth, we've got Gotham Veterinary Center, the Rutherford Animal Hospitals, Little Falls Animal Hospital, Cats Exclusive, Carlstadt Animal Hospital. And we've just got Zeewee Peak, the pet food brand that's came on board and supported us. I think that's it, right? (laughs) So, you know, a long laundry list of people, but we've got a great community behind us. And uh, please like, share, contribute if you can. Um, Any donation will will seriously help us, even if it's $1. We're all in this together and we want to be a voice for the cat community. That's great. That's excellent. So thank you so much for agreeing to be guests on the show today. And I think come June 2017 or when you have this film launched, I'd love to have you back on the show and we can share with everybody how it's all taken shape. We'd love to be back. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you very much, Stacey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 